This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is People Every Day. Coming up, why Jana Duggar was cited for child endangerment. Shocking news that came on the heels of her brother, Josh Duggar, being found guilty on child porn charges. Plus, ways to help victims of the deadly tornadoes. And what's really going on with the embattled Golden Globe Awards this year. It's December 13th. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to People Every Day this mid-December Monday. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and if I sound a little different, I am finally coming to you from an actual podcast studio booth. So cheers to that and my producer not having to edit out the barks and screams of my dog and daughter, respectively. (laughs) I want to start today's show off discussing the devastating tornadoes that ripped across the Midwest over the weekend. There were at least 50 tornadoes reported in eight states, and we still don't even know the full extent of the property and lives lost in the destruction. Let's take a listen to what Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir said during a presser today. I know like the folks in, in western Kentucky, um, I'm not doing so well today. And I'm not sure how many of us uh, are. Uh, It's all so very sad. But one story that seems to be lifting spirits is that of Indiana resident Katie Poston, who says over the weekend she found a 1940s vintage family photo that the winds apparently blew her away. Through Facebook, she was able to locate the family it belonged to, who lived more than 100 miles away. Crazy. Well, so many people are already helping out. And if you need ideas for what you can do to support the victims, head over to people.com for a full list or visit redcross.org who are on the ground. Well, moving on to some other headlines, Elon Musk, the world's richest person, has now been named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. The 50-year-old Tesla and SpaceX CEO is their main man this year because, quote, Person of the Year is a marker of influence, and few individuals have had more influence than Musk on life on Earth and potentially life off Earth, too. And one more quick thing for you before we go a little deeper. I know you guys saw that viral Peloton ad. If you haven't, you must be out riding SpaceX or something. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen And Just Like That yet, but it stars Mr. Big, actor Chris Noth, and Peloton instructor Jess King, who played instructor Allegra on the show. And it's narrated by none other than Ryan Reynolds. And the key takeaway, Peloton won't actually kill you. Should we take another ride? So it's so, so smart considering what happens on that first episode. I found myself thinking, why would Peloton sign off on this (laughs) storyline? And then boom, a perfectly timed ad that has Reynolds rattling off the benefits of cycling and that our big is alive indeed. And now cheating with his instructor, I guess. I don't know. But 
Well played, everyone involved. All right, now it's time to dig into a story about a family we've covered a lot lately. On Friday, we got word that Jana Duggar, the eldest daughter of Jim Bob and Michelle, had been charged with endangering the welfare of a minor. So details in this case are sealed because a minor is involved, but we know that Duggar received the citation on September 9th and pleaded not guilty. So news of her charge came one day after her brother Josh Duggar was convicted of receiving and possessing child porn. So Adam Carlson was in Arkansas for that trial and joins me now to talk about the newest family legal drama involving Jana. Hi, Adam. Hi, Janine. Happy to be here. Well, we don't know a lot yet, right? But walk us through what we do know. What did we learn from the Washington County court document? And what else did we glean from an Instagram post from Jana's cousin, Amy? So to kind of reconstruct the timeline here, this report comes out late last week, right on the heels of Josh being convicted of child pornography, even though so far we don't believe Jana's citation is connected. What we do know from this is that uh, back in September, she was cited at the family home in Springdale, Arkansas for third degree child endangerment. As you say, a lot of the case is redacted because it involves children, and we're still in the process of learning more from investigators. But then Amy Duggar, cousin Amy, filled in a key piece here, it seemed, on social media over the weekend when she posted and essentially heavily suggested that the citation Jana received was because she was babysitting several of the family's children, several of her nieces and nephews, and um, lost track of one of them. And we do know if you go and read the statute in Arkansas, the crime she's accused of, this third degree child endangerment, that could include behavior like that. It could include uh, either knowingly or accidentally uh, putting a child in an unsafe or dangerous environment. And Amy's post kind of walked right up to the line of explaining what happened, at least in her words. Yeah, Amy does not mince words ever. I've interviewed her a few times in the past. And she she said in this post, I will call out what is right and I will call out what is wrong. This couldn't have been intentional. I bet you were exhausted, stressed, and just emotionally worn out. And she added, watching multiple kids is hard because there's so many of them and you only have two eyes. It's a very sad situation going on. And my heart goes out to Jana M. Duggar. Love you. So that's her cousin. And she is standing in support of her. And it's a stark contrast from some of the posts that Amy put out in regards to Josh Duggar and his situation where she was not standing in line to support him really in any way. But I mean, let's just talk about what she's painting this picture here. We've watched the show 19 Kids and Counting, 20 some kids now to have to sit there and and, and babysit. You know, let's we don't know how many kids were in the house, but a lot like you can kind of see where Amy's going with this, right? Yeah, I mean, it it kind of puts Jenna back in the spotlight in a way that I think some people haven't considered her, quite frankly. You know, she's the oldest daughter of the family. Um, She was on 19 Kids and Counting. She was on Counting On, the TLC kind of sequel series. But she's not married herself. She doesn't have kids, so she doesn't have quite that same central role. But as you say, she's long been kind of the supportive sibling, the supportive aunt. Um, She posts a lot on social media about spending time with her uh, brothers and sisters and their spouses and their kids. And I think what this incident shows, at least according to Amy's comments, is that uh, she not only had her hands full sometimes, she had her hands really full. Yeah. And and just to make it clear, like, this family is known for its of course, uh, very uh, religious. And the women in the family are known, and the men, are known for marrying very young, um, having children pretty early and often. Um, but she 
is unmarried and 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 that is is just not in line with um you know what her sisters have gone on to do really and you have her in this position so so talk to me a little bit about the raising of the kids cuz i remember back when i was covering the family there was a lot made of just how they rear so many children. Yeah, it is a generational endeavor. It's something shared not just by parents, but by siblings. Some of that work is shared among the women. Some of that work is shared among the more extended family. I mean, we know in part that's how the 19 original kids were raised when they were so young. Yeah, um, People had a ton of questions about Michelle as the mom having her hands full. But in reality, the age difference was so big with some of those kids that the older girls, her older daughters, were helping them raise the younger kids. And you see some of those same techniques and lessons um, in in the role that Jenna is filling and that, you know, some of her sisters have filled as well. It it takes a village, to use a cliche. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also, you know, can come with some clear complications and issues like we Mm -hmm. have here. But also when you think of you know, everything that happened with Josh before this last situation mm-hmm. and and just the issues that came out of him having close contact with some of his relatives um, that he was not on trial for, but that did come up when he was a minor. And when you just think of things like that, when you have so many children, there's so many issues that can come up. So I, I'm just wondering how you see this panning out for Jana, who was essentially in charge in this particular situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we'll learn more in the coming weeks. She has a bench trial scheduled for January, for early January, unless that gets moved. And The crime she's accused of is a misdemeanor, and she was um, given a citation for this in September. She was not arrested and booked into the jail. So, um, you know, even in those first few days last week, we were trying to figure out what happened. That was a clue for us that the seriousness or relative lack of seriousness of this kind of where this fell, because she was basically given a ticket for, um, uh, for, you know, a third-degree charge and misdemeanor. And uh, what this feeds into for me and some of what you're touching on now is this is the troubling or more divisive or darker side of these um, family relationships, the story about how a family grows up, how you raise a family this big. I mean, this is kind of the flip side of the thing that made them so popular for so many years. People wanted to know what it was like to be in a family like this, to be among siblings like this. Those were real interesting questions, right? It made them super famous for a long time. Yeah. And as as you say, there's a... um, a darker side to that. Well, Adam, thank you so much for all of your expertise on this, and we will we will be following it. Thank you, Jenny, for having me on. Next up, People.com Movies Editor Nigel Smith stops by to discuss the future of the much-maligned Golden Globe Awards amid the release of this year's nominations. Stay tuned. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moving on to other headlines this morning, the Golden Globe nominations were announced for the Hollywood Foreign Press Association amid its ongoing controversy. If you remember, the nonprofit organization for journalists and photographers came under fire earlier this year for its lack of diversity. This led many to boycott the ceremony unless changes were made. So amidst the backlash, NBC announced they were pulling the plug to televise the ceremony. Back in May, they said, quote, change of this magnitude takes time and work, and we feel strongly that the HFPA needs time to do it right. Well, televised or not, that hasn't stopped the show. The Golden Globes are still scheduled for next month, and there are so many questions, so much to unpack here. And People's Nigel Smith joins us now to break it all down. Hi, Nigel. Hey, Janine. Thank you. Well, take us back to the very beginning. What led to the outcry of Hollywood drawing a line in the sand against the Golden Globes and the Hollywood Forum Press? I kind of remember it kind of starting with Harvey Weinstein, but that was something else, right? Yeah, that was kind of something else. This this big outcry that led to NBC saying that they weren't going to air this year's award show um, really, really happened at this time last year when the nominations were announced, where Emily in Paris um, got a lot of nominations and um, I May Destroy You, the really, really acclaimed uh, show on HBO, didn't. And people, you know, just give in light of um, what's going on in the world today, people were really, really calling on the Golden Globes to, like, you know, recognize diversity in a bigger way. And yeah. the the writer of the show, Emily in Paris, actually wrote an op-ed in support of I May Destroy You. And everyone from Tom Cruise to Scarlett Johansson, they spoke out. And Tom Cruise actually gave back his Golden Globes. Um, but it was shortly after the nominations that uh, the Ellen Times... Uh, released an investigation into the Golden Globes. And a lot of people in the industry, I had heard a lot of rumors that the Golden Globes were a little corrupt. And this report kind of just made uh, all of that make sense. All of these reports that I, were hearing, that I was hearing previously, they said that um, HFPA members collected nearly $2 million in payments for being on different committees and that there was a huge lack of diversity among its members, that there were no black members whatsoever among the entire voting body. Yeah. And and speaking of that big report, that's what I remembered about the whole Harvey Weinstein debacle, because he was one of those pay-for-players a little bit way back in the day with a lot of his films that he would produce and promote. The Golden Globes were kind of caught up in that of him, you know, doing these favors and, and doing things to get uh, more attention, um, more votes, essentially, for his films, right? Totally. And the Golden Globes have always been known for uh, accepting gifts. Some would call them bribes from big studios to get their their talent uh, in the pool of nominees. And then there was a separate report, apart from the LA Times report, that revealed that the Golden Globes committee kind of took bribes from from big studios like Netflix. Uh, It said that in 2019, more than 30 members of the HFPA visited the set of Emily in Paris in Paris, and they were treated to a two-night stay at a five-star hotel. So when the nominees were announced that Emily in Paris was showered with all these surprise nominations, I think people 
obviously took issue with that. Yeah, and then there was some other stuff in there, too, about, I mean, ScarJo talking about just how she felt at some of the the press conferences and the questioning that came from HFPA members that she felt was possibly sexist or, like, there, it just needed a full-on uh, house cleaning, it sounded like, and then they came back and, and made kind of a, a, a soft apology that people didn't think was enough, and we know the award show will not be televised this year. Is, is there still hope? Like, could they still pull through? They did put out these nominations today. I mean, I've been a little surprised just by the the, the numbers that are reading our, our nominations post on People.com. People seem interested, fans uh, seem interested in who was nominated this year. But there's been a total lack of responses from the nominees. So I think that kind of goes to show that the industry is still not welcoming back the show with open arms because there's actually no televised show happening uh, next year. So there's no way of really, you know, building up buzz and excitement for an award show that nobody can even watch. Yeah, well, in the nomination announcement today on YouTube, the HFPA president, Helen Huna, said they have made several changes in the past year. So, Nigel, can you tell us what Helen has to say? Also, do you think it's enough? Um, it's all a bit vague as their previous statements have been. Um, she said for the past eight months, we've worked tirelessly as an organization to be better. They said that they changed their rules and their bylaws and added a new code of conduct and restructured their governance. And, um, I guess the biggest takeaway from what she said is that they have 21 new members. Um, she doesn't say exactly, you know, what backgrounds these new members come from, but she does say that it's the largest and most diverse in their history. Yeah. Well, well, last thing, there's just another elephant in the room. The Critics' Choice Awards, they are set to air January 9th, the same day as the Golden Globes, which aren't airing, as we talked about. It's just a bold move to have two major award shows on the same day. So what are your thoughts here? Do you think the Critics' Choice Awards are kind of positioning themselves to take over and be the top dog in that space? I doubt it. Um, Just because the Critics' Choice Awards you know, they've been televised and watched before, not in any way uh, in the same way that the Golden Globes are. People don't drink during the show in, in quite the same fashion. Yeah. They're not known for being as, uh, as as newsworthy in terms of the hosting. Maybe they'll change that this year because they got that prime spot. Mm. But I do think it's kind of telling that the Golden Globes, you know, after the Critics' Choice Awards announced their their timing, um, it was after that that the Golden Globes said, well, we're going to be releasing our winners at the same time. So it's a little shady on the Globes' part to to try to take away from the Critics' Choice Awards night. But I don't think they really stand a chance because the Critics' Choice Awards are going to be televised. That was People.com Movies editor Nigel Smith on today's Golden Globe nominations and continued controversy. For more on this story, head over to People.com. And quickly, before I get into something to make you smile, you guys know I love telling you about shows I think you'll really enjoy. And here's another one. You've probably heard of Upworthy, the popular good news site on social media. But did you know they've just launched their first podcast? It's called Upworthy Weekly, and it's a lighthearted look at the site's most popular and engaging stories. 
stories. The hosts are Allison Rosen, whom you know from the super popular podcast, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and Todd Perry, one of Upworthy's head writers. So over the first few episodes, they've had some great conversations about a surprising fitness hack that really works, uh, dogs that rescue their owners, (laughs) and a fierce debate over Christmas music that you'll just have to weigh in on. It's a fun, informative, and uplifting show that feels like, you know, hanging out with your closest friends. New episodes of Upworthy Weekly come out every Saturday, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, something else to make you smile. Along with being classy, bougie, and ratchet, (laughs) rapper Megan Thee Stallion can now add college graduate to her list. The 26-year-old Grammy winner walked the stage during her college graduation at Texas Southern University in Houston on Saturday. Listen to the crowd just go wild as she accepted her diploma. Megan Pete. She got a bachelor's degree in health administration and told us earlier this year her late mom and grandmother inspired her to finish school despite everything she has going on. But on top of that, the Savage Rapper was honored the following day by her hometown with the 18th Congressional District Humanitarian Award for Generosity. So happy for Meg, a savage, a scholar, and a good Samaritan. (laughs) Talk to you guys tomorrow. 